Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. And then comes the great chorus of O come all ye faithful. It says, O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. This Christmas hymn is is great. I love O Come All Ye Faithful that we just sang together a few moments ago. Um, this song is actually ascribed to a man named John Francis Wade. John Francis Wade wrote O Come All Ye Faithful in 1744. As a matter of fact, he wrote a manuscript of the song in 1751, and there's a little small college in Lancashire, Northwest England, that holds on to that manuscript still today. It's got a great history behind it, but even more than the great history of how it was written and all of that, uh, it comes with great truth in this song. Um, as you just heard the lyrics again, that, that as Jesus was born, um, he was God embodied in flesh. It was the the, the flesh of, of, of man uh, with God appearing for the first time. And as we hear and sing that song, it's also John Francis Wade imploring us as believers to worship God, especially this Christmas, as we, as we remember the Christ child, we remember what we call the incarnation, which just means that God came in human flesh. The incarnation is a huge part of our Christian faith. As a matter of fact, it's one of the very foundational building blocks because if God doesn't come in the flesh, he doesn't come and save us from our sin. We'll unpack a little bit more of that as we go. And really, that's what I want us to do over the next few moments is to unwrap some truths about Christmas. And I, you see this tree behind me. There's a bunch of uh, gifts underneath that we've been collecting for several weeks now. Um, no doubt our kids have passed through this room several times and they've kind of taken a gaze over and maybe try to, to survey the shapes of the, the boxes and the bags and maybe even see if their name is on one. And they know those gifts are there. However, they don't know what's in them until they unwrap them. And we'll do that uh, together as a family today and enjoy one another. But the same is true with the Christmas story. You see, every time this, this, this uh, time of year, we began to recount uh, the events of the Christmas story. And that's very sufficient. As believers, it's sufficient. It's, it's great to revisit this story and to rem remember all of the characters and how God um, came as a baby in a manger. Um, and, and recounting those events, again, are, are good for us. However, I want to just for a few moments unpack those truths a little bit deeper, unwrap them, I guess you would say. We know the story. Uh, people all over the world, even people that don't believe or follow Jesus could tell you the Christmas story or what they would say is a tale. But we, even though we know the Christmas story, we want to unwrap that a little bit here today and, and see a deeper truth. Again, not just the what but the why, not just the what, but the why, why did God come as a baby in a manger? And I want to look at these three things is, is why did God come in the flesh? Why did God come with, with a great love for us? You know, and why did he come to be a sacrifice for our sin? He could have done anything he wanted to. He could have, um, he could have, uh, demanded anything of us, yet he came himself to deal with a problem that was ours. 
the incarnation of God, God in the manger, Christ in the cradle, however you want to put it, it's the most important detail about Christmas. And we find that um, in John chapter 1, and we'll uh, look at a couple of other details of the Christmas story here uh, this morning. Uh, but if you'll turn with me to John chapter 1, I'm going to show you again that what we just spoke of is, is how to unwrap the truth that God came in the flesh. Why did he do that? John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the light, life was the light of men. And this light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Uh, if you scroll on down to verse 14, it says that this word, which is talking about Jesus, it's the, the logos in the Greek, it's, it's how God is now communicating himself to, to mankind. This word has now become flesh. You see, for, for centuries, God spoke to, to Moses audibly. He spoke to Abram audibly to, to these men. He began to speak to his people through prophets. But now there has come the time when he is no longer speaking to his people audibly or through a prophet, but he is speaking to his people and to the, the, the people on earth through himself. He's communicating himself through becoming God in the flesh. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Now, I'm kind of like that sometimes. I, I, I like to, to tell people how to do something, but more than that, I, I like to tell them or by jumping right in the middle and, and doing it for them. And basically, that's what God has done here. Um, he's told his people for centuries that this is who I am and this is what I need you to do. But when they were found to be incapable of doing those things, to be obedient to him, God came and solved the issue of sin. One of my fondest memories uh, back growing up was certainly on Christmas morning, waking up, having breakfast, unwrapping gifts with my family. Uh, but a neat thing that used to happen with our family is we were really close with extended family is not long after we would eat back breakfast and unwrap our gifts, there came a knock at the door. And early on in life, it was my great grandfather um, would come by and just to see what the kids got for Christmas. Um, then my grandmother would come over, aunts and uncles, just to see what we got for Christmas. Um, that was a great time. And, you know, as, as life goes, uh, you have distance that created between family members and uh, family members pass on. Um, but, you know, we all... Um, Miss family at Christmas time. Uh, one of the things we'll do today, as many of you will, is you will probably FaceTime someone. You'll get your phone out or your computer out, and you'll get a loved one on the computer where you can talk to them, show them what you got for Christmas, show you, show them what you're eating today, all of those things. But it's just not the same. It's just not the same as having them in person. And you see, as God communicated himself to us, through coming as a baby in a manger, coming in the flesh, as he did that for us, it was so much better and required in order for us to have a relationship with him. John Piper has a quote about the incarnation, and I'm going to let you see it here. This is what it says. The incarnation is the preparation of nerve endings for the nails. The incarnation is the preparation for a brow, 
for thorns to press through. He needed to have a broad back so that there was a place for the whip. He needed to have feet so that there was a place for spikes. He needed to have a side so that there was a place for the sword to go in. Jesus needed cheeks, fleshy cheeks, so that Judas would have a place to kiss. And there would be a place for the spit to run down that the soldiers would put on him. Jesus needed a brain and a spinal column with no vinegar and no gall so that the exquisiteness of the pain could be felt for you. The incarnation, God coming in the flesh, accomplished many things, but it showed us that he was serious about dealing with our sin. Unwrapping the truth that God came in the flesh also shows us that God came with great love. Um, just the, the Christmas story itself reveals him coming as a baby in a manger, but in the Gospels, especially moving back to John chapter 1, that it shows that, that, that God loved us. And even further in John, John chapter 3, verse 16, you know this, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's love for us spurred him on to action. There's no doubt when God has created us that he loves each one of his creations and it breaks his heart for us to sin. But God put that love to action. You see, as we sit here this Christmas morning, unwrapping gifts and enjoying the festivities of the day, there is some department manager from Walmart or Lowe's or somewhere. They're out there already scheming um, for tomorrow when they reopen about where their Valentine's Day, uh, uh, um, Valentine's Day displays and layouts are going to be. Um, one of the most, uh, one of the, one of the most overblown holidays of the year coming up that's focused on love. You know what I'm talking about. You'll go back to return a gift tomorrow on December 26th and, and they will be Valentine's Day gifts out. This, this holiday where it involves really an obligation to purchase something most of the time for someone you like or love and, and it's, it's, it's a fleeting emotion a lot of the times. It's, it's a feeling. And there's no doubt that love brings on emotion. Love brings on feeling. However, with, with, with the, the, the world nowadays, love has become this thing that just kind of um, ebbs and flows. It's in and out. But when it comes to God, who wrapped himself in flesh, as a baby in a manger at Christmas time, that love was embodied in him. It just wasn't a, 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 man, I hope I can pull this off. It, it just wasn't a, maybe, maybe this thing will work out. This was a promise by a God who has created heaven and earth, breathed stars into existence. This is a God who knows that he is going to accomplish the work for which he came. And he's doing it, yes, for his glory, but we are the beneficiaries of that act on the cross in which he showed us ultimately his love for us. I would say it like this. Love is action. Not only love is action, but love is literally embodied in Jesus himself, the Christ who showed up at the manger at Christmas time. Psalm 145 tells us that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion He's slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. 
You see, when we unwrap the truth of Christmas, we see that we see that God came in the flesh. We see that He came with great love. And and lastly, I want you to see that God came as our sacrifice. If you go to Matthew chapter one, which is again another account of the Christmas story, um, somewhat it's from Joseph's perspective. Matthew one twenty one tells us this. It says, and Mary and she, Mary, will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this is from the perspective of the angel sending or giving Joseph a message that it's okay to be a part of this scenario, Joseph. You don't you can relax, you can trust me that everything Mary Mary's telling you is true and 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 she's going to bring forth of a son forth a son and his name's going to be Jesus, which means Messiah. He's going to be the one and he will save his people from their sins. You know, in order for Jesus to save us from our sin, there had to be a sacrifice, and not just any sacrifice, but a perfect sacrifice. I often say from the pulpit all year long, it doesn't matter what time of year it is, that that the Christ of the cradle is also the Christ of the cross. Now, that quote is not original to me. I, I remember hearing someone say that, whether it was in seminary or reading a book. I can't recall who it was, but this Christ of the cradle also went to the cross for us. And, you know, when you when you think about this, um, I, I think about swaddling cloths, swaddling cloths. You know what I'm talking about. Now, when I was growing up, I'm hearing the story read. People would say swaddling clothes. Um, but this was swaddling cloths. Luke chapter two, verse 12. When the angels were talking to the shepherds, they said, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Luke chapter 2, verse 7 says, And Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So what is this swaddling cloth? The swaddling cloth would have been strips of cloth in which Mary would wrap Jesus up with as a baby and she would she would swaddle him she would uh, swallow him so he would be clean and he would be secure and he would feel safe much like we did when our children were born and we began to learn how to take care of them we found out really quickly that um that they uh they they longed to be held and they they slept a lot better when they were being held by one of us so the concept was if we wanted them to go to sleep was to swaddle them, to take a blanket and to wrap them up and to tuck that really tight and to swaddle them up really tight. And man, when you laid them there, they would sleep so sound and so well, and it would prepare them and rest them for the hours and days ahead. I just have to say this, you know, I really ask this question. Isn't it eerily similar that Jesus at birth was wrapped in cloths to prepare him for a perfect life. You see, after he was the baby in the manger, he began to grow up. Luke 2.52 says he grew up in favor and stature and, and favor with God and man. He began to grow up as a little boy and then became a man and began to minister on the earth and do miracles and lead the disciples in the way that they should go and prepare them 
for his death. This same baby Jesus in the manger, which was swaddled in swaddling cloths, would one day go to the cross, be crucified for us. And then following the time of his death, there were men who came and requested for his body to be taken down. And then they wrapped his body and took him to a barred tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. And you remember the story of Easter, the day of the resurrection, when everyone thought that, that the story was over. It says this, that the ladies, including Mary Magdalene, um, it says that they were on the way to the tomb that morning in order to prepare Jesus's body for burial. Now, they were going to prepare his body for burial by taking and bringing spices, bringing uh, ointments, um, things that would, would prepare his body. And, and how they applied those to, those to his body is they would, they would put it into cloth. They would smear it into the cloth and sprinkle it into the cloth. And they would wrap his body tightly to prepare him for burial there in the tomb. Um, but little did they know when they came to prepare his body to continue to be there in the tomb is what they found was a resurrected Jesus that morning. And I want you to, to, to think about the, the similarities of, of Jesus here at birth, being laid in a manger, but wrapped in swaddling cloths. Um, it, was that a prophecy or foreshadowing towards the grave clothes one day that he would wear, but he wouldn't wear them for long because after they wrapped him in these grave clothes and put him in a tomb that not long after that, just three days, he would raise again from the dead victoriously at the resurrection. I don't know. You know, there's some scholars that say that that's a, that's a prophecy. Um, the, the, the swaddling claws point towards the grave claws. You, you really can't prove that. I just think it's really neat. You know, we don't want to add or take away from scripture, but I just think it's really neat that Jesus is a baby. His body was prepared and one day his, his body would be prepared in death for the power of the resurrection. You see, God is our sacrifice. He's a sacrifice, and He knew that when He came in the flesh, when He offered us His love embodied in Himself, when He gave Himself as a sacrifice. Mark 10.45 says, The Son of Man, this is Jesus' words Himself, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. What if I told you this morning, that I wanted you to be a Grinch. <laughs> You'd look at me kind of strange, right? Well, can I give you permission to be a Grinch this morning? Why in the world would I say that? Well, once the Grinch in the Dr. Seuss um, cartoon at Christmas, once the Grinch unsuccessfully tried to steal Christmas from Whoville, he saw that all the Who's in Whoville didn't let the lack of things steal their Christmas joy. And Dr. Seuss goes on to write this. When the, the Grinch finally figured out that all he had done to try to ruin Christmas, it didn't work and they still had joy. Here's what it says about the Grinch. It says, And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Hmm, 
What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? That's what I'm trying to convey to you today, is the question of what if Christmas means so much more? Now again, to the world, and perhaps to you even as a Christian, going through these days of celebration, you're just getting the outside perspective. You're just seeing the decoration outwardly. You're just seeing the the outward wrapping paper. Um, Could it be this morning that God is wanting you to unwrap the truth about Christmas? Uh, Could you do that for not me today, but for yourself? Could you possibly take time and pause today and, and think, you know what, God, would you just teach my heart and show me what's the truth about Christmas? And even if you might say right now, well, I know what the truth about Christmas is. I could tell it to you backwards and forwards. Well, well, maybe just take some time of meditation today and say, you know what, God, Christmas is going to be gone here in a few hours and Even in a few days, decorations will be taken down. Christmas trees will be put up. But Lord, I need you this Christmas time. And this is going to be my prayer. Lord, I need you this Christmas time to not only show me what the real truth of Christmas is, but Lord, teach me what it looks like for me to abide by that truth and to live by the truth victoriously because Jesus came to save me. And Jesus came to give me life and life more abundantly. You see, Christmas, the Christmas holiday is going to end very soon. But these truths that we're unwrapping this morning, unwrapping the truth that God came in the flesh, that God came with great love, that God came as a sacrifice, all embodied in that baby in a manger. These are truths that not only will will revolutionize your life, will lead you to a relationship with Jesus. But in the coming days, will also lead you to walk with him, to worship him, and to live on mission for him. That's my prayer for you as we unwrap the truth about Christmas. We hope that you have a wonderful Christmas day with your family and friends. Um, If you need anything, Even as an individual, if you want to reach out to us today or in the coming days, uh, you can go to our website, fbcgranitefalls.org, or you can visit our Facebook page, Instagram page. Uh, We've got all kinds of stuff, Twitter, all of those things that makes it easily accessible to you. Um, So reach out to us, connect with us, especially if you don't have a church family, if you don't have a place to worship each week, we would love to have you join us right here at First Baptist Church, Granite Falls. Um, You can visit us at 12 Crestview Street, right in the heart of beautiful Granite Falls, North Carolina. And I guarantee you, when you show up, you're going to find an awesome group of people that are living on mission for the God that rescued us. You're going to find a great group of people that are going to love on you and take care of you and encourage you in your faith and your walk with Christ. So again, Merry Christmas. We hope that you have an awesome, awesome day.